Hello everyone, welcome back to Dafa Shavua. We are very excited today to be able to finish the second parak of Masechah Yivamas. This has been an incredible parak, so much halacha lamas, especially in the area of Geras, uh, different issues of marriage, even beyond the Yivamas issues. I'm going to spend a good part of the shir today uh, wrapping up the second parak. Probably won't deal much with the third parak yet, which we'll obviously have a lot of time to deal with. And we'll continue our discussion in uh, certain situations where there's a hesitancy to allow a marriage to take place. But before I get there, I wanted to just deal with an expression in the Gemara. You know, we should become sensitive to when we see certain expressions in the Gemara that describe uh, normative behavior, the Gemara's understanding of normative behavior, to try to see if it plays out halachalamasa. It connects to the whole issue of chazakos that we're discussing, but from a less technical perspective of what a chazaka is. The Gemara says that there's a tendency for gavre legabe gavre. When it comes to a difference between men and women, as far as women tend to visit with women and men don't tend to visit with men. This is as far as relatives go. Uh, maybe it's something that we see, and therefore it's just a, an observation that men relatives tend to hang out less with their relatives than women do with women. But what does this have to do halach lamasa? So on this daf, there's a, a fascinating chashuke chemet. I always try to look at the chashuke chemet uh, after preparing the daf, but I looked at this a little bit earlier on Shabbos. And the Chashuke Chemet, Rav Zilberstein, who of course uh, deals with incredibly incredible halachic issues, uh, went through a last evening, a Shiloh of Zilberstein, where he discusses an issue that came to Reb Ruvain Feinstein, Reb David Feinstein, Zechatzadik Levracha, and Reb Moshe Zatzal. I was looking at it in the context of something from Reb David Feinstein. So he clearly knew what was going on in, in the United States of America, or Zilberstein, as he does today. This was for many years ago. So he says over here, if there's a situation where you have a husband and a wife, let's call it Ruvain and Sarah, they're married. Ruvain's father is an Alman, lost his wife. Sarah's mother is an Almana. And Ruvain and Sarah find some cash in the house. And they're not sure whether it fell from the father or the mother. And the way he sets up the case, and I guess this was a case that was asked to him, they're not able to ask the parents. Maybe both of the parents at this point have infirmed. Whose money is it? Did the money? It's a question of returning the money to the individual or eventually to the estate. Is it from the mother's side? the surviving mother, who's the almana, or is it the opposite side to the father, who's an alman, Ruvain's father? And he has a havamina that maybe based on our Gemara, Yavamas Chavavam we could decide that it's the mother because there would be more of a chance that the mother would have been visiting more consistently. And if you do the statistical odds, there's a greater chance that she would have lost it. It's incredible. Now, at the end, and this is why I wanted to really bring this to you, he says he's not sure. 
which is fascinating. I haven't seen other Chashuk Echemetz where he ends with uh, Tzarech Iyon, as he does over here, because maybe the Gemara is just reflecting a tendency. But just because it reflects the tendency doesn't mean it's enough to anchor itself as the Halacha. Just because something is lo Shchiach, again, if it would be impossible that the father would ever come to visit, then it would be pretty clear it's from the mother. He also sets it up that it couldn't have been anyone else because this couple had no company. No one else had access to the house except for these two. But I'm really pointing this out because when you see such an expression, is it just an expression or does it find its way into halachic literature? We've seen in our Gemara situations where the Chachamim are hesitant to allow someone to marry. As rumors may develop, like we saw last week. So, for example, we saw if you have a person who is Hamevi Get, who brought the Get for someone, and then the Get takes place, for that person to then go marry the woman would raise some suspicion about his motives, her possible motives, prior relationship. But there are a number of exceptions to it. He's married when that's taking place. We now have a situation where this was during the first marriage that this woman had, where he was the Mavy get, but then she got remarried to someone else. Now, the fact that there's a possibility that she could remarry a third person gets us into a whole discussion about Chazaka. We don't have the chance today to give a whole sugya analysis of Chazaka. It pops up all over Shas. But how many times is required until we establish what we would consider the status quo, the presumed mode of behavior or the presumed status in a relationship, in a legal realm? Rebbe says twice. Therefore, if you read this the way Rashi reads it, if a woman would be divorced twice, then no man should marry her. Hold on till we get to the halacha lamasa because there's a presumption that it's going to end up in divorce. If you look up for the third time, as opposed to Rav Shem Ben Gamliel, who says, let her get married three times, the fourth guy who comes along shouldn't marry her because there's a presumption this is just her mode of operation. Now, if you look at the top Tosfos, Tosfos says, no, this doesn't apply to Gidin. It only applies to an Almana. So if we dial this back, and this is the approach that, uh, the given approach of, of men, I won't say most postkim, but of many postkim, we'll see so many exceptions built into it, that the category that we're addressing, and I want to spend some time on today, and will again come up in the Gemara and Samach Dalit, is the category of Katlanit. Katlanis, a woman who is given the status of one who kills. Again, it sounds very harsh. There's a very fascinating tshuva. I'm not going to get to go through it, but I just want to spell it out to you today. Shalos and tshuva's harash, klal nun gimel simen ches, who explains why we're only talking about a katlanit and not about a katlan. How about a guy who is married twice and both of his wives died? He's, a, he's free to do whatever he wants. <coughs> So the Sheol Shuvah Sarash addresses this question. Fascinating Shuvah. 
So there's a presumption, at least according to the surface reading of this, that this woman is a katlan, one who kills. She's married, <coughs> her first husband dies, she gets married, her second husband dies. Now, what's happening over here? So the Gemara on Samach Dalet, and it's being assumed here in many of the Rishonim, and just reading the Gemara itself, is that there's a machlokas amarayim, of what's the basis of this halacha. But what I want to explain to you is that once it's established as the halacha, then whether the basis applies or not, there's a good chance that the halacha is going to be codified. And sure enough, if one looks into the Rambam, in Hilchos Yisurei Bia Perchaf Aleph Halacha Lamed Aleph, you find this halacha. If you look into the Shulchan Aruch, Evan Ezer, Hilchos Ishus Simantes Sif Aleph, you find this halacha. What we're going to try to do is explain it very uh, on a surface level as far as the basis for it, but I want to show you how two of the Gedolim of our generation, Ramosha Feinstein, Zatzal and Rabbi Vadi Yosef Zatzal addressed it. You'll see already that many of the exceptions are built into the Ramah, but the fact is it had to be addressed, and it has to be addressed. And we'll go through some of the cases. Now the Gemara has a machlokas as far as why there should be such a situation. And we're going to put the divorce case aside because we're focusing on the death situation. The opinion... It's brought down in the Gemara on Samach Dawad on the base. Amarav Abimi Mehagronia Mishmedirafuna. We'll call it the position of Rafuna. Is because Mayan Goreim. Mayan is a Sagi Nohar, a modest way of saying her spring, that through Bia, through relations, there must be some kind of infection that this woman has that knocks off that kills anyone who has relations with her. And therefore, you can't have a third person. We have a, get into that situation. We have a related discussion as far as bris mila. What happens if Rachman Litzlan, within the same family, you have someone who dies from a bris mila, and then you have a second child. We're not going to do a mila on the third child. There's a connection to this as well in contemporary society in Eretz Yisrael as far as chayalim, soldiers, that you know that if a family has a soldier that's lost, so they're protected by the next son doesn't have to fight in certain units. What does that mean? From a statistical analysis, it's not like this person has a greater chance. So there's something going on. I'm not saying the Israeli Tzahal thing is related, but this concept of a greater chance of it happening... If you go to Rafuna, Rafuna says, it's not, we're not talking about statistics over here, there's some kind of physical aspect to it, even if there hasn't been a diagnosis. So we're protecting, we're talking here, as some of the Rishonim and Achronim explain, Suffolk Pikoach Nefashos, so marry someone else. It seems Rahmanas that this woman has to be alone, but that would be the position. Ravashi comes along, and Ravashi says something which, again, is not easy for us to understand, Mazal Gorem. There's something predetermined within this woman's condition, within her status, that causes people who marry her to die. 
Now, the way this is explained by many of the Risharim and Achronim, and we'll see this if, if we get to get into the details of some of these chuvos, it's not that it's predetermined that she should kill someone. It's predetermined that she should be an Ani. And therefore, a husband who's a source of support doesn't, uh, is not able to survive. Again, very challenging. But again, we accept this as presented to us in the Gemara. And Lamaisa, there is such a category of Katalanis. Now, the Gemara makes a nafgamina in Mesechus Yavamas. And this nafgamina, this practical difference will come up in some of the Shailos Hachuvos is what happens if the second husband, for example, or even the first husband died during Aresin and not after Nisuin. So if it's a question of it's because of Bia that causes it, so you can't say that Bia caused it. If you say it's Mazel, then, okay, already at Aresin there's a halachic status. The Gemara also gives an example. If someone falls off a tree, the husband dies on a hiking trip, we're not going to say that it's because of the woman, but if you say it's Mazel, then maybe, yeah, she's already had something to do with it, not because she was trying to kill her husband, but because it is determined that she should struggle with poverty. And I know this sounds very strange, but we're going to show you how this plays out, and you'll be much happier probably at the end of the year. I want to read to you a Shulchan Aruch, because when you see the Shulchan Aruch, which I mentioned before in Evan Ezer, Ishus Tes Aleph, we'll see, especially once we look at the Ramah, how much flexibility modern poskim see. So I want to read you the Shulchan Aruch and the Ramah, and then we're going to look at two tshuvas from Reb Moshe, one from Reb Avadia. I'm going to read you the She'ela, and but the tshuva is going to be pretty easy even though they spend a lot of time uh, analyzing the question in the great sugya. So the Shulchan Aruch says that Isha Shenises, Onis Arsa, woman gets married or is even engaged. She has Kiddushin. So you see over here that we're paskening that it's not the Mayan Goreim, because if it was the Mayan Goreim, her physical status, something about uh, some infection, then it wouldn't be engaged. It would only be after Bia. And the Shulchan Aruch says, Lishnei Anashim, that she's married to two men. So we see the position over here that two establishes a Chazaka, Umesu, and they die, Loti Nasei Lishlishi. You stop right over here, the, Ramah, the Shulchan Aruch adds, Shekvar Huchzaka Lios, that it's already established that her husband, the third husband, would be as good as dead. Now, halach lamaisi, you wouldn't require a get, but you wouldn't allow it to be get married. And you stop right here, we have a big problem. The Ramah comes along, and the Ramah says, Yesh dafka emesu misas atzma. The Ramah doesn't ignore the reality that, as we're about to see, very often people get married more than two times, especially in an almana situation. Why should she be an almana? If we can't figure out why the person died, and he just died, we'd say mysteriously, that's the Yeshomrim who says that, that we have a problem. But if one of the husbands was murdered, or he died through a plague, like we see today, we're living in a plague. 
or there's another reason that could be attributed to the death, ain't no clum. This woman is not going to have the status of being a katlanit, neither for mazel or neither for the mayan reason. And the bottom line is, quoting the Shuvah HaRamban, the Beis Yosef actually quotes the Shuvah of, of the Ramban, so we're going back uh, almost 800 years, and we're not going to stop anyone who, who gets married in these situations. And you see the language from the Ramah, it doesn't sound like you need to do a full investigation. It happens to be, I just want to throw in, the Ramah says at the end, this, we don't even get into this discussion when it comes to a get. He quotes the Haggos in the name of the Tosfos that we quoted, V'cheiniker. But the bottom line is, when you get to contemporary Chuvos, there is still the basis for a question. And we'll have to see the answer. So let me give you three. I could give you more, but I'm going to give you three. Two from Ramosha and one from Ravadia. Chelek Aleph Simen Chavav. This is Shelos Chuvos Igros Moshe Evan Ezer. Chelek Aleph Simen Chavav. This is our Gemara. Isha Shabala Rishon Mace, a woman whose first husband died, Kishahayazakain. He was an elderly man. And then she gets married again, Baruch Hashem. Vahasheni Nafal Belumberyard. That's how, what, how he writes Lumberyard. Belumberyard. Vahmes Imyeshla Din Katlanit. Does she have the din of being a Katlanit? This was a question that was asked Tough Shin. We're thinking a lot about Ramosha this week with the loss of his uh, great son, Reb David Feinstein. Then you have another question. Later on, this is in Tafshin Lamedalad, 14 years later. So she was married, I guess, as a younger woman. Then she gets married a second time. And the man lives a nice life till he's 80 years old. Are you still going to say that she can't get married a third time? This is a question that comes from Los Angeles. When you go through the Shalos of Chuvos, you, you very often see the name of the person who's asking the question. Let's go to Revavadya. Revavadya has a kasha that comes from a family of Olim. Family makes Aliyah. The woman makes Aliyah. She meets someone. Let's say she's in a nursing home, this woman. And she meets someone. Here we are. Nisan Tafshin Yudches. So this is around 1958. If you match it up, a question of Petach Tikva. Odos Ha'isha The woman was living in Chutzlaretz. And she's a widow t- times two. She comes and she makes aliyah. And Baruch Hashem, she meets a man, maybe in the nursing home, maybe in the street. Baruch Hashem. You can imagine the Masada Kedushin sits down with the couple. Is uh, any previous marriages? Are you a Kohen? Was there a get? And everything should be okay. But she lets the Rav know that two of her husbands died. And now the question is, could she get married a third time? Never thinking it would be a question. She didn't even get married to the second man until she was 70 years old. 
They live for 10 years. It's the husband who was 70, and then he had a heart condition, and he died of a heart attack at 80 years old. And then the question is, are they, is she now allowed to get married? So in this tshuva, Rav Avadia gives a fascinating historical analysis and halachic analysis of Katlani. What I'm going to give you is the bottom line, which you probably know already by now. In another tshuva, Simintes, Yabi Omer Chelakalaf Yerdea Simintes, Rav Avadia discusses situations where people died in the Magefa. And again, getting into an analysis as well, quoting from Maradvaz and others. But let me give you the bottom line if I could summarize it. In all the cases, both Ravavadya and Ramosha allow the marriage to take place. And you see a number of reasons that are given. What you find in both of the Truvos is a position of Rishlomo Kluger as well as others that maybe when it comes to this category of, of Katlanis, we don't paskin like the position of two, and we possess that three is a chazaka. And you can't say we're really in the realm of pikoach nefashos, because there's so many svek svekos that are existing over here. I don't want to go deep into that, because that would bring us back into the chazaka sugya. But the bottom line is, is that you generally, especially today, have a cause of death. And if you have a cause of death, then it's not considered to be the same death. And what happens, both Ravavadya and Ramosha say that even if you take the view of Mazel Goreim, Mazel Goreim is not going to exist where the death is not the same. So it really brings together Mazel Goreim together with Mayan Goreim. And another point that Ramosha says is that if you could show that this woman has independently achieved some financial success, especially between the marriages, or maybe uh, even before she was married, her mazel is not to be poor. And the bottom line of all these situations, again, is the allowance. But I wanted you to see how we can't just dismiss this halacha. If you you go through Ravadi's Truva, and I'm very happy to send it to anyone, literally probably has 150 different makaras that are there before he comes to his conclusion. Once we saw the Ramah, we knew where he was going, but it's still fascinating to see the development. And he ends with a beautiful bracha, as we should end with a bracha, that people should live healthy, long marriages. Another concern that is also, that is also raised here is the length of life. You see, the question that came to Ravadya is you're already dealing with someone who's most likely in her 80s. The children that were born, you're going to put this person into the category of Kavlanis is not the same as a young bride. And in this truva, Ramosha gets, and Ravadya gets into a whole long analysis about life expectation, Bizman Hazer, how it's expanded, etc. But either way, I have never seen a situation where, whether it's a, a grusha or even an amisa situation, where we're not going to allow a Jewish marriage to take place, where there are no other isurim extant. Have a great week of learning.